This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. Welcome in to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. I am Jackson Schneider, and it is Wednesday, which means we get to get right to action today with one of our regular guests. It's Mike Kilgore, the head football coach of the Solomon Gorillas, for our Gorilla Weekly Update, brought to you by the good people at Bush's Market and the Solomon State Bank of Solomon, member FDIC. Coach, how's it going today? Oh, it's going great. It's Wednesday and the sun's up, and... It's warm outside. Absolutely. It's better, better than what we've had the last weekend or so. As on Saturday, yep. it was a mess around here, but it seems like that's all going to be past us. we got beautiful weather for a big game this Friday as you guys are going to host Canton Galva in what should be one of the bigger matchups across the state this week. Uh, you're both 2-0 and and playing really good ball. What can we pre- prepare for in this matchup? You know, I, 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 it's exactly what I told our kids last night. It's You know, we... Um, we got an opportunity to play one of the best in the state, and I think that we're 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 getting to be one of the best in the state and um, an eight man. And I know it's just an opportunity to to go see where we're at. Well, last week, part of what's gotten you to this point is your offense has been stellar. Uh, through two games, you're averaging about 50 points a game, and you're, you've only given up 16 all year, both of which last week, two touchdowns against Wakefield. But offense is working, defense is working. But tell me, from the coach's perspective, what has been the key to the success through two weeks over there in Solomon? Um, our, our kids are kind of honing in on that uh on that small detail thing that I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks and, you know, and they're, um, they're eager to learn. They're, they're trying to, you know, try to get all the small things um, in the, in the football world to figured out and, you know, it's starting to come together and, um, you know, both offense, defensive and special teams. And um, I can't be more happier for them. And this this is a tough schedule that you are are having this year. I mean, this is not a district game in, in Canton Galva, but you've got a challenging district and Gossel and Little River coming up, Mound Ridge as well. I mean, I could go on and on, but it seems like your team has been battle tested not just this year, but the last couple of years playing some really good teams. Do you feel feel like the the challenges that they've faced over the last year or so have, have kind of helped to uh, bring them to this point? Yeah, absolutely, Jackson. They, I mean, in our district, I think that last year and the year before, our, the district was the toughest, you know, toughest out there, you know, with Little River and Can Galva, and, you know, and now we added, you know, um, Gossel to that mix and Mountain Ridge to that mix. And, you know, they're all really good football teams. And, you know, from the years past with these guys being younger and having to go through that, um, learning that, learning that stuff. And I think it's, I think it's better for them. Um, you know, and, and they've learned they learned what it takes to to be good, um, and you can see that in their eyes. You know, you know, each day at practice is when you know we tell them that you know we got it. This is what it has to be, and um, and they're they're honing in on that, and I think it's helped them a lot. 
Now, again, we're joined by Mike Kilgore, the head football coach of the Solomon Gorillas. Coach, uh, like I said, the, the offense has been humming. The defense has played really well. But uh, through two weeks, I know there's some things you want to get cleaned up as well. I mean, the results have been there, but you, you're not perfect, right? So what what are the things right. you got to get cleaned up between weeks two and three to continue that upward trajectory of this team playing some really good ball? Um, defensively, we just got to be more physical, and we got to we got to tackle better. Um, you know, we we tackled <clears throat> we tackled pretty good last week. You know, because it was kind of one of our emphasis, and you know, but we can do better on the defensive side of tackling. Um, you know, breaking down when we uh, when we get to a ball carrier, or you know, defending the pass, and you know, just being in better position. You know, offensively, we got we got to take care of the ball. Um, you know, we had we opened up the drive last week against Wakefield with a fumble, not really what uh, we wanted to open up with, but. You know, just honing in on, you know, making sure we got ball security and, you know, and uh, making sure that our feet are right on our offensive line and, you know, and make sure that we're running great routes um, when we have to. And we talked about Spencer Coop's play at quarterback last week a little bit, uh, but I don't know that we've talked about Porter Hines yet, and he, he had a pretty solid game for you guys uh, last week uh, in the win over, over Wakefield, had a long touchdown run. Uh, what can you tell me what he's brought to the table and maybe some, some other guys that we're still learning about throughout the early parts of this season? Yeah, um, you know, Spencer Cope, he's done a good job um, of doing everything, and then um, you know, Porter Hines, you know, he came off, um, came out and, and he played for us and on Friday. And, you know, he was he's just another another great weapon for us, both offense and defensively. I mean, he's very he's very quick on his feet. Um, you know, he's still learning um, a lot of the a lot of our terminology and understanding what it what it takes and then getting himself in the right position. But, you know, we were able to open some things up with him, with our playbook offensively, just to just to get him in space and. Um, you know, let him go make some plays, you know, and, you know, Scott Robinson, you know, I don't talk a lot enough about him. You know, he's, he's a smaller guy and he plays our, he plays a little bit of our, our tight end. And, you know, we're just getting him out and getting him out in routes and, you know, getting him the ball is, is, is good for us. Um, you know, and then Adam Porter, you know, and our whole philosophy is for our defense is, you know, having fresh legs. So we're, you know, we're rotating in Colton Walker. He's had a, he had a really good game. On week one, he's had a really good game week two, but you know it's I think it's part of that process of you know keeping them fresh and rotating them in you know with our with coach Rizzo on the defense side is doing a really good job of rotating these guys in that we don't skip a beat when we rotate in, which is which is a plus for us again. Solomon will host Canton Galva this Friday night, a matchup of two undefeated teams teams starting to get a lot of interest all across the state as being some of the best teams in eight-man. So a huge matchup, Coach. And I, and I know, you know, there there could be a lot built up into this game. How do you keep your, your kids level-headed? I, I know sometimes those big matchups, it can be overthought a little bit. How do you keep them focused on the task in front of them of the game and not so much the build-up behind it? Just just each day setting goals. Uh, each day we set goals. We watch film before each practice and – you know, we set goals for, for that practice and, you know, throughout that practice. And um, our coaches are letting them know if they're meeting those goals or if they're not meeting those goals. And then, um, you know, just taking it taking it uh, day by day and, you know, understanding that, you know, that's still the future of what Friday is going to come to. So right now we got to live in, we got to live in right now. Where are we at right now today? Um, you know, where are our feet at today? We're on the practice field, so we got to get better. I like that um, mindset you know, a lot. Sorry, sorry when, to cut when, you off. When, <laughs> No, you're good. Um, 
So like, where are you at right now? And, you know, when Friday comes, Friday's going to come, regardless of what we want or not. Where are we going to be at on Friday? Yeah, I I'm, I just love that answer. You know, the be where your feet at thing, I think, gets a little bit downplayed. I, I think it's really important, especially in high school football, to just be focused on where you're at and not be looking too far ahead because before you know it, it's going to be past you if you don't pay attention. So I, I really like that mindset from you, Coach. But before I let you yep. go, last question. What's it going to take to get a dub and, and get off to a 3-0 and start on Friday night? Um, it's going to take everything that we um, have done for the last oh, five weeks, in, you know, in our season and, you know, just putting it all together, you know, play assignment sound um, and, you know, don't don't sweat the small stuff because the football game is a roller coaster and um, we'll have some ups, we'll have some downs. And, um, and I think if we do something like that, we'll be uh, victorious at the end. All right, that's Mike Kilgore, head football coach of the Solomon Gorillas. He joins us each week here on In the Zone, brought to you by the good people at Bush's Market and the Solomon State Bank of Solomon for our Solomon Gorilla Weekly Update. Coach, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Jackson. All right, we'll take a quick timeout and be back with more In the Zone right after this on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. Welcome back to In the Zone on Sports Radio, 1150 KSAL, 106.7 on your FM dial as well. I am Jackson Schneider alongside James Westling today. You heard from Solomon head football coach Mike Kilgore in our first segment today. Big shout out to Coach for giving us a call as always and keeping us up to date on the Gorillas. And of course, we'll have Wyatt Thompson coming up here in just a little bit to talk all things K-State. So a loaded show for us today, but... um, We got to talking at the end of yesterday's show, James, about the Nebraska situation and how both Lance Leipold and Chris Kleiman's names had been kind of linked to the Huskers program. And funny enough, in each of their weekly pressers yesterday afternoon, Chris Kleiman and Lance Leipold both were asked about that situation, if they had heard about it, if they had given it any thought. And both of them kind of, kind of dispatched that stuff for now. One more a little, a little bit more convincing than the other. But uh, I'll let you pick, James. Which one do you want to hear from first? Their answer to the question about their name being attached to the Nebraska. Oh, job. we have audio. I do. Uh, I have audio from each one. We were just talking to Wyatt, so let's go ahead and play Climbing first. Um, for starters, Scott Frost is a friend of mine. Um, I hate to see it. Uh, because uh, I just that's part of the profession. I don't know what's going on at, at Nebraska or what has gone on. I've talked to Scott a few times during his time there, but uh, um, uh, I really like it here at Kansas State. I love our players, love our our guys, and um, pretty simple for me. I can just say one name, and that's Gene Taylor. Gene's my guy. Gene's my guy. That's that's part of what sticks out to me, James. Is Gene is my guy. And he, he made sure to, to say, you know, he loves Kansas State, he likes where he's at, all of that stuff. That, to me, is no, but obviously you never say never. Um, we'll talk with Wyatt. We did, we spoiler alert, we preview, or we, we pre-recorded our talk with Wyatt earlier this morning and, and talked to him a little bit about this. Um, 
But to me, I'm convinced just on that alone that he is happy right now. Now, obviously, Nebraska could come in and add a few extra zeros to his paycheck, and that could change everything. But, uh, James, I don't know about you, but I feel like that was a pretty convincing, I'm good where I'm at for now, Chris Kleiman answer. Yep. Totally agree. I think as long as Gene Taylor is at K-State, Chris Kleiman's going to be at K-State. And I don't think that Gene Taylor will leave anytime soon, if at all. Number one, Chris Kleiman, if K-State has the type of season we think they can have, nine or even ten wins, I think Chris Kleiman probably gets an extension and a, a really big, fat raise. And Coach Kleiman is building something at K-State. This is still, uh, I wouldn't say a super young team, but a team that has some pieces, as we've seen in these first couple of games, that are, are underclassmen. And then he's bringing in the best recruiting class K-State has had in forever. Um, and then just the fact that he seems like a loyal guy. And Gene hired him, hired him at North Dakota State. Gene has put him in a position to make a buttload of money, be a Big 12 football coach in a conference that uh, could only you know maybe actually get better with the teams that are coming in so yeah I, I feel pretty good about where he's at I do too now here's the other side of the state as it relates to that question Lance Leipold was asked um also before I actually get to that um the conference the press conference dynamic was a little different at each one Chris Kleiman this was like basically the last question he was asked it wasn't the the very first question they talked a lot about the game against Missouri now the KU press conference Literally the first question asked, uh, a reporter asked Lance Leipold about the Nebraska job, and he kind of just said, we'll just get it out of the way, uh, because he knew it needed to be asked. Um, But this is Lance Leipold's response to his name being attached to potentially the Nebraska football head coaching vacancy opening. I don't know. Here's the audio. I'm focused on this football team and getting ready for Houston, but appreciate you asking. Okay. Very short answer. Also, not at all a denial in any form or fashion. Um, I would say I would chalk that more up to him literally being focused on his current job and on on playing Houston. Uh, But a lot of people reading a lot into that, James, about just, well, it definitely wasn't a no. So... A lot of ways you could take that short answer from yeah. Lance Leipold. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a no, but I do think it was pretty dismissive. You could tell he was ready to, to give a short answer and move on to talking about his KU football team. But I will say, I think we need to maybe pump the brakes a little bit on this Lance Leipold moving on to a better job talk. I mean, there, there's still a lot of football left to be played. KU's 2-0, and and they just picked up a huge win. I get that. But... KU could also still go 3-9. and nine. You know, there's just a lot of uncertainty, I believe, surrounding the rest of the season for KU. Let's see what they do against Houston this weekend. And then they play a Duke team on the 24th that is way better than we ever could have imagined because they were terrible last year. They've got a new coach. They're 2-0. and They're going to be 3-0 and because they played North Carolina A&T. They were a two-touchdown dog against Northwestern, went on the road and beat them by eight, and they blanked Temple 30 to nothing in their opener. So... Uh, that that's not a, a gimme game by any means for KU. So uh, I, I get it because of you know the recent success that KU's had, like literally just this past weekend. <laughs> but I think we're we're I think we're really stretching and kind of grasping for straws in terms of this Nebraska well, next head coaching talk right now. I, a little bit, but here's the thing. I I think that 
if Nebraska decided to call someone that wanted, if they wanted a different approach, not the razzle dazzle, but the guy that's going to get the job done, that would they should they should call Lance Leipold because it's been not even two years at Kansas and there is tangible improvements and there's an argument argument to be made that Kansas is currently a more productive football team than Nebraska, which is crazy to even utter that thought. People might want me, my head on a stake for even saying that, but here's the thing. There's not a, I I can't imagine a reality where Nebraska and the ego that surrounds that once proud football program would ever pick up the phone and call the head football coach at Kansas. It just, it wouldn't happen. And, And honestly, the same could be said to an extent about Kansas State, because for decades, literal decades, Nebraska looked down their nose at Kansas State football as their little brother and routinely thumped them on the field. So to have to go to them to try and grab their football coach to make them relevant once again, that would hurt, I think, Nebraska to its core to the, pack, the the point that that would never happen. So I'm I'm very convinced that neither Lance Leipold nor Chris Kleiman will be the next head football coach at Nebraska. Now, I will say the most likely, in my opinion, and I said this yesterday on the show, uh, is I think that Matt Campbell of the Big 12 head coaches that's had their names tossed in, Matt Campbell at Iowa State would actually make a lot of sense and a lot of different reasons. Now, for also many of the the reasons that we mentioned for Lance Leipold and for Chris Kleiman, I think Matt Campbell could also be very smart to stay where he's at. So, I don't know. There's a million ways you could take that. I just think it's a really interesting scenario, and both of those coaches gave interesting answers. Um, But we're going to have to be dealing with this situation for probably the next four months. Yeah. Well, and and I think Nebraska wants a big, flashy name because they've kind of gone the safe route before with Mike Riley, and it didn't work out. He was just a consistent uh, guy at, at Oregon State that won more games than he was supposed to and did it with subpar recruiting. And they thought that once he got to Nebraska with all the history and tradition that he'd be able to recruit and with his X's and O's, a solid coaching style, that, that they'd be able to win football games. And he was gone after three years. So, I, I mean, they're talking about names like Urban Meyer, who, you know, uh, obviously had a lot of success in college, took time off, was a complete disaster in the NFL. But my point is, he's a big name. And I think that I think Nebraska is so kind of into themselves right now with this administration and their desperation for having success with this next hire that I think, one, they're going to be willing to spend an exorbitant amount of money to get a big name. And I, I just, I don't know that Kleiman is, and Leipold are big enough names. But it, that's exactly on, my point. Real, real quick. The, the thing about Lance Leipold is, I think that we are probably, I don't want to say one year away, I would say at least a month or two away from really his name being out there in terms of some potential openings. Because if KU does go to a bowl this year, teams are going to be coming after him. And if they go to a bowl this year and he sticks around one more year, depending upon what jobs are open this offseason, and uh, has success next year, I mean, back-to-back bowls at KU, I mean, it would get you... The Alabama job, you know, like at this point in time. Yeah. It could get you a really, really big landing spot. So if I'm KU, that's kind of the the only downside to having success it's, is it'd be tough to keep him. I agree. I really do. But here, but here's my thing uh, on that part is we've talked with Brian Haney 
a dozen times about some of the qualities that Lance Leipold has that Bill Snyder had. Mm-hmm. And one, what did Bill Snyder never do? He never left Kansas State. And he had ample opportunities to answer the phone and go to, quote-unquote, a bigger program or a, a big-time job. There were th- several opportunities for that. So I'm going to err on the side of caution and say that Lance Leipold, I think, might be willing to do the same at Kansas, especially if the Big 12 football conference is getting better the way you and I, I think, believe it will in the future. But going back a little bit to to the fact that like Nebraska will probably make some flashy hire, spend a lot of money, all that stuff. My problem with that is is that's like that in a nutshell is why they are in the situation that they are in yeah. because yeah, they played it a little safe with Mike Riley, I I think, and there was it was kind of the a what the heck hire, but that that's I mean with they got rid of Bo Pelini after winning like eight nine games a year consistently, literally won nine games every year. Exactly, he never had an eight win season. He won at least nine games there you every go. year, and they fired him. Yep. And Frank Solich was in the same situation, right? It was never good enough, and then they had to go with the the, the prodigal son, um, you know, Nebraska Golden Boy hire at with Scott Frost after he you know won what thirteen games in that one season with UCF where they were quote unquote national champions, all that stuff. Even though a lot of those players that he did that with were the previous coach at Central Florida's players. He only spent two years at Central Florida. But that was the flashy hire. And come to find out, that was a disastrous move for Nebraska football. So I think if they were smart, they would go with a little bit of a safer option. But that's that's just me um, on this one. But pivoting just a little bit, we've got the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, coming up here just in just a second. Uh, but before we get to that, James, um, anything stick out to you that we didn't get to from these two pieces of audio, Chris Kleiman and Lance Leipold? Any parting words on this subject? No, on this subject, no. Uh, I'm excited to talk about K-State and, and Tulane and then next week preview K-State in Oklahoma. And uh, I look forward to chatting a little bit tomorrow with Brian Haney about KU and Houston because the spread is around 10, but uh, I, I think this is another game that KU can compete in and maybe even win. Man, you look at you, K-State grad, drinking all the KU Kool-Aid. Oh, I'm drinking the Crazy Kool-Aid. Crazy I'll tell you what, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Who would have I, I watched their entire game against Tennessee Tech, and I know that was a bad football team, but that looked like an <laughs> entirely different Hawks football team. That looked like a team that belongs in a bowl game, and I think they'll get there. Wow. We'll see. We will, yeah, like we said, Brian Brian Haney tomorrow, Wyatt Thompson coming up next. So stick with us here on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL, 106.7 FM. Welcome back to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 as well on your FM dial. And uh, today is Wednesday, which means we are joined by one of our favorite guests. It's Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats. He joins us each Wednesday, courtesy of Robson Oil in Abilene. They've uh, been so courteous enough to make sure that we get to have Wyatt on to talk all things cats. And 
A lot of good things to talk about with the Wildcats lately. Wyatt, a huge win, first of all, but uh, secondly, an interesting day on Saturday with the weather. I'm sure that made your your Saturday a little bit more unique. uh, Very well said. I I think that's absolutely (laughs) accurate. It it was a unique experience, and not that we haven't been there before, but I I was so proud of the K-State fans for how they hung in there and and stuck with it. <laughs> it was not the the nicest day ever to be out in that kind of thing because for a while it rained really, really hard. And of course, with the lightning delay, that that had to you know have a pretty high level of frustration for for some of the fans, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, it was a nice win. I, I think we talked last week about you know it really being a measuring stick kind of game for both of the programs and. And clearly, K-State was the better team. I thought they were pretty dominant um, for the most part on both lines of scrimmage. I think you could tell that they had a pretty distinct advantage, um, both offensively and defensively. And then special teams was not perfect, but it was pretty good. I I know a lot of people get tired of hearing about special teams, but um, I'll just say this. Uh, Ty Zentner had one of the best days of his career, and he's had a very, very nice career. Um Philip Brooks is one of the better punt return guys to ever play here. Maybe this side of David Allen and a couple of others. <laughs> so overall, there's a lot to talk about. That's for sure. Wyatt, I'll leave this kind of open-ended. In that 40-12 to win over Missouri, what impressed you most about K-State? I think probably the adjustment that they made after the initial drive by Mizzou, where they got the 11-play drive and the 49-yard field goal. After that, if you think about from that point when K-State got the ball back, what they did from there to the 744 mark of the second quarter when the game was stopped due to the threat of lightning, they were pretty dominant. Uh, There's no doubt that they had – I know a lot of people wonder, boy, is this going to be a, a team that's a little short in throwing the ball? But if you go back and study that part of it, they were clicking on all cylinders offensively. And defensively, James, you I'm sure you saw, I mean, it looked like Mizzou was even having trouble getting back to the line of scrimmage. Just the the penetration and the toughness in which K-State defended was was really special. They've got a lot of guys right now. They're playing fast. They're playing confident. And I love that. Yeah, I was really impressed with exactly that, just making it a battle at the line of scrimmage. And it wasn't like K-State was, you know, getting stops on third and short. It was there were multiple third and long situations because they would just blow up the line of scrimmage and make Missouri go backwards above all else. And and I I just felt like on that alone, K-State was very impressive to me because it's not often that you line up against another Power 5 conference team, especially a team out of the SEC, and just dominate the line of scrimmage like K-State's defensive front did. Well, for a three-man front, uh, I'll just throw a few names out here, and I think you're going to hear quite a few more than three names in terms of guys who, who had an impact on the game. Nate Matlack, Jalen Pickle, Eli Huggins, D. Hentz, Felix Anudike Uzama, Brendan Mott, <laughs> to a, maybe a lesser degree, Cody Stuffelbean and, and Uso Sayamalu. Those, those guys were um, those guys were good, um, and I'm, I'm excited for where they're at, but but frankly, also where they're headed. 
Talking with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, here on In the Zone. Wyatt, this K-State defense, the top-rated passing defense in all of FBS. I guess, tell us a little bit about K-State's upcoming opponent, Tulane. They only won, I think, two games all of last season, but they appear on paper to be much better. They're sitting at 2-0. Well, I think they are better, to be honest. Um, I don't know what that means for them moving forward, but they really struggled last year in a in a better conference than is than the perception might lead us to believe. Right? I was talking to Stan about this earlier, and you know, it, it's a it's a league that has Houston and Navy and <laughs> you know Cincinnati and some pretty good football programs. So I, I think they're better, and, and I, their coach has been around a long time. Um, everybody you talk to says he can really, he can really coach, uh, and he's a good guy. I think offensively is where you would be concerned with this bunch because they've got a veteran quarterback in Michael Pratt who has good size. He can throw the ball around. Uh, honorable mention, all-conference selection a year ago, who's already thrown five touchdowns in the two games, albeit against just okay competition. But Kind of like what we said last week with, with, with Missouri. They have some very talented guys in that backfield and in the receiving core that, that concern you a little bit. So could this game be a little bit like Mizzou? Maybe so. Um, I, I think what we don't know about them is, is what they really are defensively just because the competition hasn't been very good. They beat Alcorn State last week 52 nothing, and it, it could have been a lot worse. Now, Kansas State is a team, Wyatt, through two games that uh, leads the Big 12 in rushing and is in sixth in the nation with 531 rushing yards. And albeit I've heard some some people maybe taking uh, offense that they haven't tried to involve the passing game so much, but Coach Kleiman in his comments yesterday really mentioned that it was more of it, they haven't had a chance to, right, because of, of the game flow of, of the South Dakota game and, and with the weather being how it was this past Saturday. How, how do you see the pass game developing over the rest of this season, and do we need to feel pressure to develop a pass game for Kansas State when they've run the ball this well? Well, it's a really good question, and it's one that I've gotten about 7,000 times for school. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess what I'll say is, is kind of what I've been saying to everybody else, and I go back to what I said a little while ago. In that part of the ball game last week, early in the game, through middle of the second quarter when the game was stopped, I thought that we were seeing a pretty decent passing game there. Yes, after K-State got the lead, much like in week one, I think they backed it off a little bit. They were so solid and dominant at the line of scrimmage with their offensive line. I, I think they just ran with that. And, and again, maybe a little bit like South Dakota. You don't necessarily want to show some upcoming opponents a whole heck of a lot, but it, it is what it is. I mean, 297 rushing yards in week one, 235 last week. So when you're doing that, you just don't have to throw it as much. But I just don't have a, a big concern necessarily of what they are in the passing game because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> simply stated, Adrian Martinez has thrown for over 8,600 yards and 45 touchdowns in 41 games. I don't care what you want to say about all the rest of it. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Wyatt used the word concern there, and 
concern came up when Nebraska fired Scott Frost and Coach Kleiman's name has been tossed around. He addressed it at his press conference yesterday, and I think he said something to the tune of, Gene's my guy, Uh, I'm here uh, because Gene's here, et cetera, et cetera. Can you put K-State Nation's minds at ease in regards to Coach Kleiman and just how much he loves it at K-State? Do you feel like he would ever leave for another job? Well, you, you never say never. I mean, let, let's be honest about that because I, I you know, who, who knows? There, there's so much on the table with that. But I think what he was trying to say yesterday, and I don't want to put any words in his mouth, but it's a pretty comfortable feeling when you make good money, you live in a, a, a town that you really like. Uh, I think he loves Kansas State University and where the football program is at and, frankly, where they're headed. I mean, we all know what what the recruiting class for 23 is like, and and, and they're they're doing a lot of good things. But the most important thing that he said in my mind was, is Gene Taylor is my guy. I trust him. And that's what everybody wants at the end of the day, is to work for somebody that they can really, you know, go to the wall for and, and, and trust. And I think Gene Taylor is that guy for Chris Kleiman. And so I'm pretty comfortable with it. But again, <laughs> you never say never just because they're, they're, there's probably a job or two out there that if, if the money is, you know, crazy, I, I guess you'd think about it. Yeah, you can't blame anybody for anything like that. I, I'll never, I will never blame a coach for taking an opportunity, especially for a, for a paycheck or a really cool opportunity. So I'll just throw that one out there. But uh, uh, Wyatt, I got to talk about Deuce Vaughn because we we've talked yeah. about him at length a million times, and I don't know that it will ever be enough because now through two games, Deuce has over 270 rushing yards and three touchdowns, and I just did the math. And if he continues at this pace through 12 games, he'll tally somewhere in the neighborhood of over 1,600 rushing yards on the season. There's not a lot of (laughs) running backs in K-State history that could say that. And obviously, there's a lot of time left in this season, but just how impressive is Deuce Vaughn now that he's in his third season with the Wildcats, and how have you seen him improve? Well, I I think, frankly... And, and this is kind of probably scary for, for some, uh, I think he's improved a lot. And I say that because of what I've been told by the coaches, including Coach Kleiman, what I have seen personally from Deuce and in, and in you know talks with him. I had a chance to visit with him yesterday between a couple of phone interviews that he was doing at, at the press conference. And I think everybody knows this, but the kid's work ethic is off the charts. Coach Kleiman has said – very emphatically that he's never coached a guy that, you know, does a better job of, of nutrition, uh, excellence, um, weight training, all of those things that matter, hydration. Um, and, and then you put his, his knowledge and his abilities on top of that. You've got yourself a heck of a player. You know, I'll, I'll remind everybody listening that he had 1,400 yards and just over 450 receiving yards last year in a consensus All-American season. So nothing's really going to surprise me. I, I think the one thing that does impress is, is how durable he has been. You know, he's had as many as 26 carries in a game, and, and we all know, you know, some of the numbers. But it is pretty impressive when you start thinking about eight straight 100-yard games. And, by the way, he's scored 14 touchdowns in those eight games, so he's, he's finding it. And um, he, he's just a high-level player. Uh, I think he's – 
you know, he, he's the focal point of this offense in an offense that I, I think has a chance to be pretty good. And that's, that's, that's excellent. I remember this summer when his running backs coach, Brian Anderson, said that he was better. Uh, than he was, you know, a season ago. He was faster. He was stronger. And, and I just remember thinking that is scary <laughs> for opponents uh, coming into this season. Wyatt, what are your thoughts on? Uh, let's kind of do a Big Twelve around the horn, if we could. Okay. Um, ju- just your thoughts on, on what took place last weekend. Um, we can start with KU and West Virginia, obviously, and then Texas hanging around with Alabama. Well, the the Kansas game. You know, I, I know it shocked a lot of people. I can't necessarily say I was stunned in any way. Maybe a little surprised, but far from stunned. Uh, they are better. They have a good quarterback. They're playing pretty high-level offense. You can say what you want to about the competition there with Tennessee Tech or whatever, but Jalen Daniels is a good player. And, you know, the reality of it is is they <laughs> – I mean, he went 28-40 for 365 and three touchdowns throwing the ball. Um, and he's a pretty darn good run threat. And I have to say this too, in all fairness on all, all fronts, I don't think West Virginia was in a real good place mentally, and I think it showed. They had a 14 to nothing lead, if you might remember, in that game, and everybody thought, okay, this is going to be a walk. Mm-hmm. Well, the walk ended up being for Kansas. As for Texas, um, I'm not going to lie on this one either. I wasn't expecting the game to be close like that. I, I don't know that I would tell you that I thought it would be 45-7 to seven either, but I didn't think you'd see Alabama kick a field goal with 10 seconds to play to win the game. I thought it'd be, you know, somewhere along the lines of, you know, 24-10 to 10 or something like that or 24-7. to seven. So that was a little surprising too. And the other factor was is that they lost Quinn Ewers in the first quarter and still were yeah. very, very much uh, right there to, to try to win the game. Now, Wyatt, I, I do want to to pivot just so slightly because I I forgot to ask this earlier when I was kind of hinting at the rain, uh, but there's a yeah. guy who's a little bit new to Kansas State who's making a lot of waves, um, and he was out in the rain rocking a poncho, leading the student section in the <laughs> Wabash, and just drumming up all, all the student support and energy in that stadium on Saturday, and it's Jerome Tang, new head basketball coach at Kansas State, and I feel like... In the shuffle of football season, we haven't really talked about Coach Tang in a while, but what what does that tell you about Coach Tang, that he was out there braving the elements with the students and leading them in the Wabash and just embracing all that is K-State? What does that tell you about the, the state of K-State basketball and where it could be headed under their new head man? Well... It's a really interesting subject, isn't it? And, and I think how I would try to go about answering it is you see very clearly and very vividly his desire to win over the students. He knows that he needs them to have Bramlage be the type of home floor advantage that he has witnessed in some of the 19 years he was in Waco. It, it wasn't necessarily every year. But when K-State was competitive, this is a most difficult place to play, and everybody in the league knows it. So I think there's that. And, and then I guess the, the obvious part, too, is he's, a, he's full of energy, full of excitement, loves what he's doing, is excited about the program, and, and not only where they're headed now but in, in the future. I, I don't blame him for being excited. He, he did that, but he also, you know, he's done this uh, – 
stuff appearing on campus and sitting mm-hmm. on a purple couch and t- talking to <laughs> students. I mean, he's, I mean, he's just an amazing individual on so many levels. Um, people have just been blown away by him. I don't know how else to say it. It's been it's been remarkable to watch. Absolutely. I, I just have been so impressed. The the Hang With Tang segment that you just kind of touched on there is something Perfect. that, that <laughs> yeah. I, I think is, is so unique, but it, that's definitely something that I hope sticks around for a while. Again, we're joined by the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and he joins us each week thanks to Robson Oil in Abilene. And Wyatt, before I let you go, um, Last question for me. K-State hosts Tulane on Saturday at 2 o'clock, and we found out yesterday there's going to be a new twist on the uniform. Did you, do you like yeah. the new helmet? Do you like the look? T- take us through your thoughts. Well, before I jump into my thoughts, let, let, me, let me state what, what's most important. You saw the player reaction, didn't you? Yes. On social media? <laughs> It's way more important what those kids think, and they were pumped off the charts. Um, now, with that said, I, I think I would tell you when they're happy, we're all happy, um, and things are going good right now. Uh, I like the look personally, but, but you know, I kind of grew up with, with that particular model uh, of K-State, um, with, with, with what I will call the, the flag-waving willy. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I just think it's really cool. Um, but I was, I was not surprised at all by the players' reaction. They, they love that kind of stuff. Um, and and the more right or wrong, the more you do that, and you see a lot of these programs doing that kind of stuff, um, it, it's pretty exciting. And hey, why, why wouldn't you be excited about doing something you love? And wearing something is pretty neat. Yeah, it it is pretty sweet. I I liked it. I I just as much as I love the classic K State look, I don't think there's anything wrong with shaking it up on occasion, especially with a cool throwback logo like that. And I hope that we get to see some more of those in the near oh, I future. Think you will. Yeah, and I'll just say I think you will. And and then you know what the other interesting part is is the fan base. I mean, now you've got a lot of people on social media kind of doing their own designs. And- Yep. You know, T-shirts and things like that. It, it's it's it isn't just the players, <laughs> even though sometimes it seems like it. But a lot of people are into this kind of stuff, and I think just love the tradition of K-State. Um, even though you know football wasn't really all that good for a long, long time here before Bill Snyder uh, had their moments, but um, I just think I just think it's a really cool thing right now because people are excited about it. Absolutely. I'm I'm pumped. I can't wait to see what they look like on the field on Saturday, especially against a team who's got some cool uniforms themselves yes. in Tulane. So it's going to be a fun uniform matchup, and it should be a good game in and of itself. Uh, 2 o'clock kickoff and a noon pregame here on 1150 KSAL, where you can hear more from our guest here, Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats. Wyatt, thank you so much for joining us as always. I appreciate it, guys. Always uh, enjoy the visit. And thanks to KSAL for carrying our ball games, And thanks to Robson Oil for, for sponsoring this. Uh, we, we truly appreciate it. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll talk to you next week, hopefully after a 3-0 start, Wyatt. But uh, that is going to wrap up our show for today. We'll be back tomorrow at 5.15 right here on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. This has been In the Zone.